This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic Pause is a go-to for podcasters, presidents, and radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Choose. Light, comfy, good to go to. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12. Like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue, and OG hot. So why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12? Try the new sauced and tossed Wingstop chicken sandwich today for only $5.49 at Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only. While supplies last, price subject to applicable taxes and fees. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Richard Buxton from Quick Liverpool. He's on to give us the Everton side of this match against Fulham. This should be fun. I've had Richard on before, and I cannot wait to talk to Richard about this upcoming match. It's another Friday Night Fulham. We've done a few of these, and I'm glad that we can do it again, and I'm glad I have Richard with us. Richard, before we go on any further, thank you for joining me, and tell everyone how they can follow you and where they can read you. Sure. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My uh, handle is Richard Buxton underscore. Um, and you can read me in quite a few places, um, mainly Cliff Liverpool, which is the Liverpool and Everton side of things. Um, the new paper in Singapore and sometimes in sort of national newspapers like the, the Eye paper and, and the Sunday Mirror over here. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not in there as regularly as a chubby or I like to be, but, uh, but yeah, I'm in there from time to time. But yeah, the new paper in Cliff Liverpool is sort of the main hours at the moment. Okay, excellent. And I would highly recommend following Richard. Richard and I have been friends for a long time. First time, you know, going way back, Richard, I, I remember when we used to talk and uh, it, it was when Fulham were, were back in the Premier League like in 
I don't know, what was it, like 2010, 2011? So, so we go back a ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I mean, I've, I've said to you off air before, I was delighted when Fulham came back into the Premier League because I, I really yep. do value and cherish Fulham as, as an established Premier League team. You know, they were always, when I was growing up in 20 years ago, they were always the team that, you know, came up against the Liverpool and Everton quite a few times. And, you know, you know the, the memories speak for themselves. Obviously, you know, you know, Clint Dempsey, you know, we had yep. Sahar, you had... Um, to garner in charge, you know, going back to those sorts of times, less so about Roy Hodgson for obvious reasons, but um, yeah, I mean, I've always liked home and I've always had a, you know, a bit of a soft spot for them, and you know, a cracking club, cracking grounds, cracking down for away fans. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad Fulmer back. I mean, it, it doesn't look great at the moment, obviously, as you know, but I mean, hopefully, the, uh, the turning point is going to come in probably after this weekend, ideally. Okay, very good there, Richard. All right, let's start with talking a great deal about Everton. So I want to get your thoughts on their season so far. I'm going to share this because I've watched several of their matches to begin the season. I was highly impressed. You know, again, they've had some wonderful additions. I definitely want to talk about that. But just the style of play and everything seemed to click very early on with Carlo Ancelotti's team. So just give me your overall thoughts of where they began and how they've slipped a little bit. Well, I think the slip sort of came about the international break in October, I think that was more momentum-based. Um, but in terms of what Ancelotti's done with the team since he came in last year, you know, he, he had a 4-4-2 system, which worked in terms of the style of the team because he inherited a lot of players who weren't really um, suited to what he wanted to do with the 4-3-3. Um, and obviously that's worked quite well with Richarlison and Dominic Carvalho in, uh, in the formative months of his tenure. And then he's brought in a few additions in the summer, namely James Rodriguez, who's been a revelation, you know, he's really knitted the front three together and yes. he's given him another another outlet. And, and obviously he's added uh, Alan, who he knows from his time at Napoli and, and Napoli Decore, who obviously was at Watford uh, until recently. So he's added a bit, a few um, improvements, I'd say, in those departments. But obviously he's had to persist with the defence. Obviously um, Jordan Pickett's still the first choice, uh, which is something for debate. Um, but he does have quite a capable in studying Robin Olsen coming in now from Rome on loan. So um, it's been interesting about how he's he moulded the team. And, you know, there's been rumours which he did shoot down today in the press conference about Sammy Kadira and about Isco yeah. going. And I think it's, it's it's inevitable that players we played under Angelotti would come in and would be, you know, similar to the, the Alan Rodriguez moulds, they'd be brought into the fold. But it, it, football doesn't work like that, you know. I mean, how many players when Roy Hodgson was at Liverpool was he linked with bringing in? I think it was Peter Hanglund was one of them. Yeah, she was another. You know, we ended up with Paul Koncheski and no one else. So, you know, it just shows this idea of linking players with with, with a former manager it doesn't always work. But um, in terms of how it's all tailed off for Everton, I think it is down to the momentum. And I think not just that, but obviously they went straight off the back of a, you know a unbeaten run, winning streak in the Premier League, yeah. going top of the table. It looked great. The international break comes at the worst possible time. Uh, then they go into the worst possible scenario. You go to Merseyside Derby. Now, anyone who watches Everton, anyone who supports Everton knows when a Merseyside derby comes on the horizon, Everton's season goes out the window. It went out the window under Marco <laughs> Silva. Um, it did for Marco Silva last season. It kind of killed him. Well, that was the, 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 the game that cost him the job. Uh, but you go further back, obviously, everyone goes on about the, the Rockerigi goal um, and Jordan Pickford from one it two years earlier. That was actually probably when Everton seems to be getting a decent run form together under Marco Silva. And then it just tailed off. And, and it's happened for similar managers. It's happened for Ronald Koeman. Uh, Roberto Martinez, you know, yeah. was on a good run and he went up against Jason Liverpool in 2014. 
and everything sort of go away a little bit. So it's always been a bit of a hard room of doom we've made that derby, but even more so when yeah. Charlton suspended now. Um, and How much of a factor what has that been, Richard? I'm curious your view on his suspension. Is it does it just come down to that, or, or is it more complicated? Like you said, it's it's coming at the worst possible time, and you're talking about the derby as well. Yeah, I think with the, with Richard, I mean, I think Antosi said, you know, he's not the reason why our defence has been poor. But I mean, I think the case could be made that actually Richardson's tracking back was a big part of what Evan was when he was absent. Okay. Not just obviously the you know the momentum and creativity that he brings in attack alongside Cavalu and Hammers. Now he does a lot of tracking back, and that was that was obviously pre season. I mean, you know, there was a game at Goodison, I think it was against Preston, and the amount of tracking back which he was, it was staggering. It was something I hadn't really noticed in the sort of in the sort of post lockdown phase. But obviously, with no fans there, with no sort of you know, you're not being swayed by the, the emotions of the crowd a little bit. You watch games a little bit more intently, and you know, it's tracking back with notable men, and it continued at the start of the season. And that, I mean, the red card was a red card. I can't, yeah. I can't contest that. I mean. I know there's a lot of things that came out of that derby that people challenge and, 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 and dispute about. I think Richie Allison, he, he had to get sent off for that. It was a bit of a record challenge. And, you know, the fact that Evan didn't appeal, it shows you they obviously knew it was best to wait the three games out um, and then, you know, he'll be back after, after that. But obviously, you know, um, I don't think anyone expected to tail off the way they did. But I do think, you know, a lot of that is down to Richie Allison and what he brings to the team because he's quite all encompassing in terms of, as I say, he tracks back, he does, you know, he does more than just attack. He does actually help out in other parts of the pitch. That, that's great. You know, and it's funny because I, I would call him in a different sport over here, just a two-way player. You know, he, he's a full player. He he tracks back. He obviously offensively is uh, fantastic, but I'm glad that you shared that about him. But let's now transition. Let's talk about some of the additions. We've already been talking a little bit about Hymas. And, but one of the players I actually want to focus on, because I remember his time at Napoli was Allen. And I thought he was fantastic there. How was he added to Everton? I think he gives more of a command to midfield, um, which is something that was always sorely lacking um, under Marco Silva. And even probably at the tail end of last season when Antossi was, you know, driving over the team that was sort of going for the motions in, in the whole product of thing. As I think a lot of clubs were, I don't think, I mean, even Liverpool. You know, they won the league, but they had a bit of a dip in form. So I think, you know, the whole behind goes door set and affected a lot of people. But I think Everton's midfield did need upgrade. And I think Alan is, even at 29, I think he offers more than, you know, people like Morgan Schneider and people like um, Fabian Delph, who's got a lot of experience, but he doesn't offer anything in terms of when he's on the pitch. So, you know, Alan is a real sort of Rolls-Royce midfielder in terms of freedom yeah. for play. And, and, you know, he's, he's, gonna, he's got to have to fly alongside who's going to learn off him and, you know, could potentially fill that void and, you know, in, for a few years after Alan sort of get, as you say, over the hill probably because yeah. now, now Hammers is 29 as well and, you know, it goes back to obviously the stuff about, um, you know, some of the players on Chelsea's been linked with, you know, Sammy Kadir is 33, yep. you know, if, he's not going to get in ahead of Alan who's four years younger than him and also so good at what he does and also will be as good as what he does for the next couple of years at least. So, you know, Corey's got a good, um, a good learning uh, mental there, I think. So, in terms of obviously, you know, building for the future, probably the next three or four years, at least having the fields. There's a breaking up the player. I think we need more, you know, creative players because obviously Andrew Gomez isn't, he's not really got up to expectations. JP Gavaman, um, similar to, to the Corey, could be learning off Alan, but obviously he's been quite injury prone. So, you know, 
him being there has been perfectly signed in terms of trying to get Everton's midfield sort of tanking up. But obviously, as we saw with the past few games, they can be brief. And unfortunately, you know, teams have been able to go through them because, yep. you know, they haven't got the chance to track him out, which is a big part because I want to break up play. But, you know, Richardson has got the legs. He's got the, you know, time is on his side, you know, early 20s. So, um, you know, I think that's become a bit of a cumulative effect, really. Okay, excellent. Richard, I actually have a question from you. For you, sorry about the not from you, for you. And this is from a phone supporter, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Question for Richard. Do you feel that this Everton team is good enough for top six side? If not, what do you think you need to make it that? Very interesting question. I actually think they are good enough for a top six side. What are your thoughts? I think it depends on what you define as a top six side, because I think that the benchmark's been raised in the past year or so. You know, you look at Wolves are up there, left to the top of the table right now. Arsenal are making a bit of a comeback. Man United aren't going away. Um, Tottenham are looking like they could challenge for the title. Chelsea are putting a, you know, a, putting a good fist of things. So, you know, I think it's it depends on what sort of momentum can be built. I think it, it is a team that is essentially beyond the start of 11 that it does struggle. So they need to get more depth. But obviously okay. the challenge with that is you've got to try and find someone who's going to come in. Who's going to want to sit on the bench behind the jaws and behind... Um, Mason Holgate, Michael Keane, Seamus Coleman, Luca Dinia. I mean, I think Dinia's probably one of the best left backs in Europe at the moment, but, you know, he's only really bad at competitive is right across Stanley Park. So, you know, I think they've got to build a bit more strength and depth. But in terms of the start, I mean, even if you have Jordan Pickford, even throw his, his recent faults, Jordan Pickford's a tremendous goalkeeper. He's just obviously having a few confidence issues. His right. backup, Robin Olsen, looks like he could be a decent standing based on the one game we've seen him in. Uh, which obviously isn't a you know a benchmark, but it, it's it's a good it's a good thing to, to to see for the future. You know what he can he can handle. So I think beyond starting eleven, they just have better better additions coming off the bench really. But yeah, you know, that will take time. As I say, you know, getting Hammers Rodriguez and and Allen, even at twenty nine is an absolute coup for Everton because absolutely they're not they're not in Europe and you know European clubs will be looking Hammers even at twenty nine, even at you know having a few years on the periphery of Real Madrid, he's still a quality addition and you know. For Everton to get him and to have the Paul Van Gelsen shows, you know, they can make something of this season. They can become a top six side, but, you know, it's going to depend on what the other teams do. If Arsenal, obviously, we saw before the break, they had that, that drop off and loss to Villa. You know, Chelsea have been a bit hit and miss. Tottenham yep. seems to be getting their act together. Um, Leicester is top of the league, but maybe, probably not after this weekend when they play Liverpool. Liverpool haven't been great, but, you know, Manchester City same. You know, to break into the top six is a lot harder now than it was probably, I'd say, two years ago because it was established, you know, Wolves hadn't made themselves into the force that they are now. Uh, Leicester was still, you know, trying to get to grips with Brendan Rodgers' methodology. So, you know, you know, Arsenal uh, under Unai Emery. So, you know, it's going to take time to get back into that top six. But I think they've got a good chance as anybody. And I think, you know, a bit more recruitment on the strength and depth and I think they might be up there. Okay, excellent. If you have questions for Richard, please feel free to leave it in the comment section and I'll try to get to them. All right, Richard, let's talk about strengths and weaknesses for Everton. It's funny because uh, Ben Lawrence actually had a follow-up and it was, do you rate Pickford? I I think you said you already did, but uh, feel free to talk about him when we look at the strengths and weaknesses because, again, I've been very impressed with Everton, so I'm curious your view on where, say, Fulham can take advantage of Everton and where their strengths lie? I think defence is probably the biggest weakness for Everton. I mean, that's, that's, that's not no great secret. I think yeah. you look at, you know, 
I mean, especially with, you know, when um, when Pickford's been in goal, obviously the Mercedes derby got a lot of focus because of the, the dangers to Virgil van Dijk. And, you know, we do wonder how, how stuff like that affects his confidence. Obviously, you know, England situation, you know, he, he did make comments um, last year before lockdown came in about how everyone hates you when you're the England goalkeeper. And, and there does seem to be a source of, I mean, I've, I've said it on other podcasts. I think there's a, I mean, maybe it's a fragile confidence issue with Pickford because he does seem to, you know, like pulling faces and like sort of, you know, he's quite vocal on the pitch and you notice it more in the behind goes doors games. He's, he's, he's basically man managing Rich Allison every step. All you hear is, you know, Richie do this, Richie do that. And it's yep. like, you know, it's good that he's, he's, you know, he's vocal, but I feel like he's not as, you know, he's, he's, he's managing one player rather than his entire back. And I don't really notice, you know, a great deal of command around his defenders. But then again, you know, he has got a lot of experienced players. Seamus Coleman, who's not going to be in this game. That's right. He's captain, he's been there for 10 years. Um, you know, one of the best signings in, in any football um, at an early level for £60,000. Um, and he's, you know, he's come on leaps and bounds over the past few years that he's been at the club. Michael Keane starting to develop into a decent um, player. Mason Hoggett, likewise. Luca Dinius now looking like he's going to be a good probably one of the best in the Premier League, as I say before. Um, but I do think Pickford is always going to be back to his heel because of his, whether it's confidence, whether it's yep. um, reflexes. I mean, Ancelotti did point out that he overthinks things. He needs to be more instinctive. And it was quite telling that the game after he said that was against Manchester United. And, OK, do what we want. But um, it was interesting that Pickford was a lot more commanding, a lot more assured. He was just throwing himself at the ball rather than, you know, hesitating, worrying, you know, flapping at things. Um, whereas, you know, in other games, he does overthink things. So maybe if, uh, I mean, hopefully the, the international break has actually done good and that he's not been in the final line every game. You know, obviously he, he was taken out for one of the major league matches and, and that's going to probably help in terms of, you know, actually giving him a, a breather. And I think similar to what Antossi did with, um, with putting Robin Olsen in for Newcastle, that probably helped him. So, you know, I think probably Pickford's probably not as shaky as he probably was um, going into the international break. But um, I still think there is, you know, always a mistake in him. Okay, very good. You mentioned Seamus Coleman. So let's talk about injuries a little bit. Fulham have uh, Mario Lamina is a doubt for this match. Mario Lamina actually played well a few matches ago against West Brom. So uh, Scott Parker and his presser said that, you know, again, it's a paraphrasing a little touch and go for him for the upcoming match and they're going to see so thoughts on Coleman being on how much of a loss is that and also are there any other injury concerns for Everton heading into this match um Coleman's the biggest one really I think obviously you know he's he's undroppable um but obviously the opportunity is going to come up for John Joe Kenny who's um, had to bide his time a little bit. He's been using the well, he was using the, in the league cup matches, and then he had an injury himself against West Ham. And you know, on the back of that, he's had to wait his turn uh, to get back into the team. But obviously, it's a good chance for a local lad, which you know, Everton love fans love to see a local lad coming through. Um, they don't always live up to the expectations, but a local lad coming through and, and cementing his place in the team is always helpful. So, uh, John Joe Kenny probably gonna, you know, well, he's going to step into that mantle. Um, but obviously, the chance to make it his own is probably going to be quite tough uh, because Coleman is, as I say, he's a club captain. You know, yep. he really has a bad game. And, and also, as well, one thing you probably noticed as well, when there's games on at the moment and, and, and there's any opposing player gives it out to an Everton player, Amos Coleman's straight on them. I mean, he did it to um, Kieran Gibbs after he got he got James Rodriguez and he said, I'll do it again. And he went, you won't do it again. Don't talk rubbish and all this stuff. 
And um, we got Harry Maguire. He's sort of very much a sort of, you know, that sort of archetypal captain. So Coleman, I think it's going to be a loss in terms of, you know, having that sort of, not not a snarling personality, but having someone who will stand up for the team. But obviously, you know, Evan have got players in other areas you can you can front up and, you know, can basically fight their own corner. So I think John Joe Kenny should do himself, um, do himself credit, I think. I don't think yeah. I've seen anything that really sort of gives me cause for concern. I think if um, they played Ben Godfrey, who came in from Norwich over the summer, yeah. if he'd come back into the team, I think he would have, even though he's played there before, he played in the Merseyside derby, I think I'd have more concerns about him than, than Kenny, but maybe that's the local bias kicking in with, with Kenny. Obviously, you want to see him do well. You know, he's obviously sure. been out on loan and stuff. So, um, yeah, Coleman's going to be a bit of a miss. But as I say, Kenny, I think, should be capable enough to step up. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to really break down this match as I ask Richard his thoughts on several topics in, that involve Everton, and I'll chime in on Fulham. Okay, Richard. Let's get further into our preview and really focus on this upcoming match. Let's start with Ancelotti's presser. What did you learn from that? You can actually see quotes from Ancelotti's presser on Richard's Twitter account. So what stood out for you from his presser today? It was probably the the fact that Ancelotti sort of put emphasis on the need to make a statement. Obviously, you know, he kept saying about how he'd been looking at what went wrong before the international break. Um, I mean, I think the answer's obvious. I think it was with Charleston, yeah. personally. But obviously, Ancelotti thinks it's, it's more deep-rooted than that. He obviously thinks the defence should be more competent, more um, more drilled, more, you know, not not basically conceding soft goals like they did. Um, and a lot of them were soft goals that he conceded against Newcastle, Southampton, Man United. You know, they weren't, uh, they weren't 40-yard rockets, all of them. You know, they were, they, they were sort of down to their basic errors. So I can see why he wants to make a statement. And obviously, he wants, you know, Back and that's going to be a great fill-up, and he obviously wants that to be the sort of the overriding message of we've got to make a statement, we've got to show why we were top of the league last October. Forget why where we are now, forget how we've got to where we are now. We need to get back up there, and that's just the mentality of a winner. You know, yeah. Ancelotti. You know, we don't we don't win three Champions Leagues if you're not a good manager. Sure. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not a sort of you don't sort of upwardly fail into a job like you know people like Roberto Martinez, Ronald Koeman. Coincidentally, two former Everton managers have done in the past few years. But, you know, Ancelotti is a winner and he obviously has that, that driven mentality to sort of put things right, but also remind the players, similar to what Everton's motto is, you know, the best will only suffice. You can only be the best. Not, you know, there's no middle ground. You can't be too far. You can't have an off day. You've got to be on it. And I think that's what he's trying to get across in his presence today. Okay. Do you think he was putting pressure? Because, again, I, I saw your quote, he basically was saying that his team's under pressure. Was he doing that purposely to put pressure on his own players to step up? Do you think this was a message to the players or just him in general, this is how he speaks? I think he's quite honest. I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a male message. He's not that sort of manager. I think if he doesn't yeah. like what's going on, he'll tell them on the training pitches and he's probably had it into them. However many days have been back and how some of the international players are only just coming back into the team. Um, from the respective countries, but I think a lot of them do um, do really sort of get the message given others uh, in that situation. Those who've been around Finch Farm for the past fortnight have probably had it from themselves several times over. And he's probably, and it's obviously his coaching staff, you know, he's got his son David uh, who's there, he's got Duncan Ferguson who obviously needs no introduction for Evertonians. You know, they, they'll have been reaffirming that message, so I don't think it's a case of 
he's sending out, a, you know, he's sorted them for the press. He doesn't need to do that, you know. Okay. He will say, he'll say. He'll say it to them. them. Yeah. Okay, very good. All right. Richard, I want your opinion on this. It's funny because we've been talking about some of the central midfielders for everything. You were talking, I mentioned how fond I am of Allen. I have to tell you, right now, the strength I feel for Fulham is in central midfield. Whether Mario Lamina starts or not, you will have Harrison Reed. Anguissa has been fantastic, I think. And then, of course, Tom Kearney's playing some of his best football. So I think the match could be won in central midfield. So I'm curious your thoughts, key players for Everton, because I think it's easy to look up top or you talk about situations with the defense. Could this match be won in central midfield? Very possibly. And I think if it it does, I think Allen is going to be crucial for Everton, I think. You know, he hasn't always been on it in terms of, I mean, I, mean, I think the Man United game was probably a case in point. He wasn't really, you know, playing top draw. Um, but obviously, there were flashes there. So, you know, if he's on his game, then I think that will probably decide. And obviously, the Corey, similarly, if he's on it as well, I think that they will be the ones, who, they'll be the decision makers in, in terms of the midfield battle. And I think, you know, that's going to allow, which, especially as I said before, when Richarlison tracks back, that yep. gives the midfield a lot more, you know, opportunity time. Right break up the play, so, you know, that's probably going to work in, in Everton's favour a lot more than, uh, than it did before the break, so I think probably the midfielders are going to be key. I totally agree, and uh, because uh, I'm, I'm looking at Fulham's central midfield and uh, the last few matches, not just that, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we always talk, Richard, when Tom Kennedy plays well, Fulham play well, and uh, that actually can be very true, so if he has a good match, he's on his game, and he's now playing further up the pitch, Fulham tend to play a while, so I always look at him, but I look at that midfield three and, and how they play together. And if they're playing well together, then um, it's usually a positive sign for Fulham. Okay, Richard, how does Everton win this match? Um, I think it's a tough one, really. I think it depends on sort of what Fulham team turns. But as you say, if Tom Kearney's on it, then I think it's going to be a little bit more challenging than than it might be ordinarily. Um but I think if, if you know, I say you don't know what choice of form's going to turn up, and it all depends on Kearney. So I think probably if Everton get back into gear with Rich Charles and back in with the front three, doing what he does normally, um, obviously the midfield stays on it, then I think they'll be, I mean, they'll, they'll, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, any team will put four or five past form because they seem to be the source of, you know, the source of fresh meat for the Premier League. And, yeah. you know, it, it's grim for someone who, who's got a lot of time for them. Um, to be saying that, obviously, it doesn't look good at the moment. And, you know, you feel that Everton probably have enough in attack. And if they can dominate the midfield battle, that they will win it through that way. But I think, obviously, Charles is a big key for that. Not just for what he brings in his own qualities, but also what he brings out is Dominic Cavalier. I mean, you look at Cavalier's stats before um, Richardson was suspended. You know, it, it, you know it's like, oh, they were the best in Europe. Um yeah. And he's still scoring regularly, even after the international break, the last one, but not with the sort of, you know, not as prolifically as he did before that. So I think that Charleston will be key. And I, I feel it's like a bit best of saying that, but yeah. I don't think you can really understand how important this guy is to have the team right now in terms of what he brings. Very good there, Richard. All right, I'm going to put you in the shoes of Scott Parker. How does Fulham win this match? What would be your strategy if you were him to play against Everton? Uh, it's a tough one. Because obviously, as I say, I think defence, but you know, to try and get through defence, you've got to try and you've got to bypass that midfield. And if that midfield is up, up, up on it, you're going to have to really go toe to toe with them. So I think, you know, it's going to depend on 
again, it's going to come back to Tom Kearney. You know, what, yeah. what can he bring? If he can bring someone to the table, then it might be a fighting chance. I mean, it feels very defeatist to all the but you know, I think it probably is. That's the reason that, obviously, you know, Newcastle had, had a good game against Everton. Uh, Southampton had a good game against Everton, albeit with, it, with sending off thrown in. Um, you know, team can have a good game against Everton. And I think, you know, the momentum, when they start from zero, as they were after the last international break, yep. probably could be a factor. So, obviously, I think it's full mark on, on the game. And they do manage to get past Allen and Decorey and, and do manage to throw a few balls into the box that cause a bit of consternation for Pickford. And I think they could actually sneak something or at least get a credible draw. Okay. Let me ask you this, Richard, because uh, a problem for Fulham so far in the season, again, it's improved over the last several matches. It's the beginning stages. They, they give up that early goal. And I know it's easy to say don't give up an early goal. But I think if Fulham can weather the storm, because I think that, like you said, with Richarlison coming back and the firepower up front, I think if they can withstand early stages, I think Fulham can then be in this match. But I, I don't think that they're going to take it to Everton. I think that they are going to be defensively sound because Scott Parker is defensive in nature, Richard. It's, you know, I, I watch Fulham and I think that they are taking a lot of the ways that he played as, as a player. And I think he's implementing that, but, but he is giving them a little bit more freedom. And uh, so I think Fulman, and it, like I said, it's simplistic, just survive the first 20 minutes. But I think that's important. See where you are and then hopefully get those openings that you can, like you said, get the ball up front and then see if you can get Tom Kearney involved and, and get the players on the wing, like, like Adam Lookman involved and whoever's on the other side and, and obviously get Mitro involved. So that's, that's where I'm going on that. Okay, Richard, let me get your starting 11 for Everton. I'll share mine for full. So, Everton's probably going to be quite a straightforward one. I think it's going to be Pickford and goal. I think no one's going to dispute that. Um, John Joe Kenny, uh, right back. Um, probably Mason Holgate and Michael Keane in terms of defence. Um, I know Yerry Mead is quite on track, Keane, but I think Holgate being back is, is key. He was so good last season. Yep. And, you know, pretty, a pretty doldrum season for Everton, Lamar and Silver. Holgate was brilliant. I mean, he was, he was absolutely superb and came up with a few. Vital goals as Keane has done earlier the season. Uh, Luca Dinia goes on saying. Yep. Um, midfield, I think, probably picks itself as well. Um, you can have probably Allen, um, Decore, and probably, I mean, I don't really sort of like this, but I think this is the sort of game that he might throw Gilvy Sigurdsson in. Really? Um, possibly, yeah. He's, he's been doing it. He did it recently. I think it was against Man United, and it wasn't. Wasn't great. Um, he's not. I mean, you know, 40, 45 million for a player like that, and he's he's not great. But you know, unfortunately, he, he sort of he does offer some attacking qualities, which obviously gives a bit more sort of a bit more of, a, of an imbalance in midfield because you don't want to have you know three stout defending players. You want to have someone who can inject a bit of creativity. Um, but then again, Carlo is quite conservative on, on his team selection, so probably he might go with Andre Gomez um, if it. And then I think the front three picks itself. I think it'll be um, Hamas, Richards, and Calvert-Lewin. I don't think he'll, he'll risk Richards and being uh, on the bench or anything like that. I think he wants to start and you know get that momentum back up because once you get that momentum from the first whistle, as you, as you say, if you survive the first 20 minutes, 
Gamepon, if everyone can get, get going in the first 20 minutes, that, that'll be their game plan sources, and then they can kick it on. Now, obviously, they've got some big games coming up in the next few weeks, so momentum is going to be key. So, I think this is probably a confidence booster, and you know, one you put the front three that started the season and have played up until the last international break um, have been you know ever present. So, I think that probably is a self explanatory team. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, Richard. You know, honestly, when I look at this match and I just look at Fulham and I understand what Everton offer, and I, I think it really comes down to, I know I'm harping on, on the first 20 minutes, but for Fulham, if they can, like I said, just get through that and really just work themselves into the match, they're going to have a chance. But if they don't, and uh, Fulham are not good at all coming from behind, I mean, they hopefully will be better as the season progresses. But if they get up on a team, they're pretty good. Or if there's even with the team, they're okay. They're pretty good. So we'll see how this all plays out. All right, my starting eleven. Uh, I'm going to go with Ariola, who's I think been very good for Fulham. Uh, and uh, the center back pairing is going to be Yoki Anderson and, and Tosin Adrobayo, who's again they've been very good. I think both of them since they came in. And then uh, on on the right, you know, you're going to have Ola Aina because uh, Scott Parker made it clear that. That uh, Kenny Tete is not ready to come back, so he'll be your right back, left back. And Richard, you and I were talking about Anthony Robinson, a, a product of uh, the Everton Academy. I've got to tell you, I've been very impressed with Anthony Robinson. I think he has a bright future. He is a Premier League player, so I expect him still to be the left back, even though Joe Bryan, you know, again the the hero from uh, the final, the better player is Anthony Robinson. So th- then you go to the midfield, and uh, it's. For me, it's it's going to be Harrison Reed and Gisa and Kearney. Unless Lamina is fit enough to play. I, I'd be tempted to go with Lamina over Harrison Reed, but that would be the only change. And then on the left, I have Adam Ollickman, who is dangerous one-on-one, very dangerous. And then on the right, I will be consistent with what's been going on lately. I will say Bobby Deckard over Reed. And then we'll have Mitro up front. So that'll be my full starting 11, which I think is pretty decent. All right, Richard. It's prediction time. Give me your prediction. Um, I think it depends on sort of the defensive situation with Everton. I think, you know, they are, are liable to be got at. I think probably it depends on, you know, how, how creative form are in terms of getting the balls into the box. I mean, I'd be tempted to say 2-0, 3-0 probably would be the sort of what I go for based on what I know about Everton. But obviously, you know, the defence is really question mark. But saying that, you know, if Mason Holgate's in there, if John Kenny has a, a decent game, and obviously, you know, him and, and Holgate obviously have played at sort of the under-23 level a little bit uh, together, so they might develop a bit of an understanding, hopefully, um, and hopefully they already have it, to be honest. So, but I think probably 3-0, but I think if you've been to we take 3-1. Okay, very good. And I understand why you're predicting that, Richard. I'm, I've been very impressed with everything. I know... There's been a little bit of a slide, and uh, what scares me is that uh, we could see the Everton that started the season against Fulham, and I, I think that's kind of where you're going on that. But I've seen steady improvement for Fulham, and uh, it is a home match. I understand no, no supporters are there, but um, I do like the way Fulham are trending. So I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. I think goals are going to be scored. I think Fulham do have the capability of scoring a couple of goals and giving up a couple of goals. So I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. We'll see what happens. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if your prediction comes true. And I'm, again, being hopeful that my prediction or a better result comes true. But listen, Richard, as always, 
I just enjoy having you on. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. No problem, Rob. Got to be on. Okay, and before we go, just tell everyone one one last time how they they can uh, they can follow you and reach you. So probably the best way is Twitter, which is uh, Richard Buckton underscore. Um, I'm sure Russell tweeted out uh, when he puts the show on later. I will. Okay, great. Well, listen, that's going to do it for this episode. I do want to mention before we go that uh, after the well during the international break, really we're taking a strong look at what we're doing here at Cottage Talk and uh, got some good news. If you like the show, we're going to be actually doing more shows. In, in, in fact, that's a very good thing. So I just want to mention that I actually tweeted that out. And we're also going to have more co-hosts involved. So you're going to hear a lot more voices, a lot more faces. Some have already been with us and maybe some new faces as well. So Cottage Talk is uh, just going to be rolling with uh, the punches and uh, – we're just going to be getting better and better. So I want to thank everyone that watches and listens to the show. But I'm going to wrap this up. For my special guest, Richard Buxton, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.